0: Stay Inspired on the Go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. The skills you will need to safeguard
1: your career beyond 2020 just by the topic alone when you see safeguard it means that something is under threat if they say safeguard your savings or safeguard your investment or safeguard your wealth or safeguard your property it means that it is possible it can be attacked and when it says beyond 2020 it gives the impression that as the world moves in the next couple of years Certain changes will make life different from how it has been. But there's a good word in there. It says skills. That means that there are some skills that can still guard you from every shaking that will come. But let me start by asking a question. Is career longevity possible? Is sustained career success possible? Why do I ask? Because when we talk about safeguarding, it means that you can be doing well for a long time and then all of a sudden you will go into difficulty. And so from the scriptures, I would like to look at two people who who enjoyed career success on a sustained or sustainable basis, just to reinforce the fact that by a certain combination of principles and attitudes, You can find yourself being prominent and successful wherever you go. The first one is Joseph. From his house or his father's house to Potiphar's house to the prison and ultimately to the palace, wherever he went, he was outstanding. And in Genesis 39 verse 5 to 6, the Bible talks about a time when Potiphar elevated him and made him the overseer, the general overseer of his house. And in verse 5 and 6, Bible says, So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus, he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. The Bible is such a beautiful document. A living and real document. Bible says that from the time that Potiphar made Joseph overseer, things changed in the place. Everything in that house prospered. And the blessing of the Lord was on that house and on the field. As a result of Joseph's excellence and the progress the business encountered as a result of his presence he was promoted and he was given an unusual level of stewardship and trust and responsibility because bible says potiphar did not even know how much money he had in the bank how much property he had it was all under the control of joseph the only thing potiphar knew was the bread that he would eat that's all somebody trustworthy somebody responsible somebody with expertise was handling everything but the Bible concluded that Joseph was handsome in form and appearance I like that part because it, and it reminds us that beyond all your expertise your appearance matters <laughs> there are two types of handsome the one you are born with and the one that you cultivate Bible says, form and appearance. One you have no control over. You were born like that. But the other one you have control. You can be blessed in one and severely disadvantaged in the other. (laughs) But everyone must understand that your career progression includes managing your personality. What you wear. How you talk. The protocols of hanging around successful people. What to do. What not to do. What to see. What not to see. How to carry yourself in the corporate space. The second person who and, and survived different regimes and enjoyed great success in business and career was Daniel survived different governments and different authorities. And in Daniel chapter 6 verse 3 and Daniel chapter 6 verse 28, we see the story of Daniel's elevation. Verse 3 says, Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps. Let's all say distinguished. Let's say distinguished. Distinguished means set himself apart above the governors and the satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king considered setting him over the whole realm. There is a correlation between your sense of diligence, excellence and responsibility and the amount of authority and coverage you are given in life. Verse 28, the Bible says, So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. I love that one because it says that one government came and went and Daniel remained. One dispensation came and went and Daniel remained. Why is this discussion about 2020 and beyond important? I want to show you a picture of the contrast between yesterday's career landscape and today's. When I say yesterday, I'm talking about several years ago. When I went to first year in the university, we were given tea at 10 o'clock every day. You go and drink tea at the expense of the government of Ghana. Every two weeks, we were giving pocket money from the government. And we thought it was a great life. And we're telling our seniors, what a wonderful world. And they said, oh, what you came to meet is the surplus of what we met. In their time, on graduation day, big time multinationals will come and park cars at the ceremony. So when they say, best student in economics, then they write your name down. And they close the, the ceremony They offer you a job in the multinational with a brand new car. When you hear stories like this, you ask yourself, what went wrong? (laughs) But that was the reality. So, it was almost like once you got a degree, a good degree from any university, you were guaranteed employment and opportunity. Juxtapose that against today, And the career landscape is dynamic, convoluted, and inexplicable. Look at the diagram. You can't even understand the dynamic. Unpredictable, highly competitive. So, if we say we are safeguarding our careers beyond the year 2020, what is the underlying thinking behind it? I was speaking at the graduation ceremony a couple of years ago for the University of Ghana. And just before I spoke, the vice-chancellor of the university climbed up the podium to give a few remarks before I was introduced. And at the tail end of his remarks, he said, the reason why they should listen very carefully to what I was saying is because just a week before that, or just before that, he had attended a conference and the news had broken about a report by the World Economic Forum in which they had listed 10 of the skills you will need to survive in your career in the year 2020. And as he began to talk about those skills, I put down my speech. I was holding my iPad ready to go and give the speech. I put down my iPad, pulled the program for the day and started writing down the, the, the skills and, and and tapping into what he was saying. But as I wrote, I paused and looked at the students who were unemployed, who were now going to get their certificate and start looking for opportunity in life and I kid you not, some of them were taking selfies. In the midst of a revelation about where the world is going in the next few years and those who will make it and those who will lose out, we are taking selfies of the Akapi. The gown was more important to them than the secrets of the future. My friends, it's a, it's a reality of our world today that people value form more than substance. So, why is the world so unpredictable on the career space? What are the major sources of disruption? Number one is technology. Technology has redefined the whole landscape. I was hanging out with some a consultant in the UK who was telling me about the, the number of companies they are working with and the the level of technology deployment that is about to break across the world. And these are technologies that are being piloted. Shops that you can enter and there is nobody in the shop. Nobody. You walk through the shop, buy everything you want to buy, check out at the counter, and the, the things are just moving up the, on, on on the counter, and you just swipe your card and you are off. No shop assistant, nobody. It's serious. So the argument earlier was that, okay, of course, the machine can can do some things, but the machine cannot do some things. Recently, a robot called IBM Watson was having an interview, a discussion with a human being. Robot. If you find out some I was I was inter- I did a whole three month show on this room, and I was interviewing a medical practitioner who was saying that listen, these days when you are in the consulting room, you are careful because the patient who is coming has checked their BMI already, they've done their analysis already with their app on their phone, so you are careful because the person can challenge you and they will be right. Hello. Technology has changed the landscape. Big time. The second disruptor is massive localization. Not globalization, seamless localization. What is localization? Localization is where global issues have such a huge impact on local issues that. Operating in the local space, you need global perspective or you will not survive. Whether it's in ministry, in business, in relationships, anything. Without a keen understanding of what happens on the glo- global landscape, your local operation will suffer. Just before I walked in, I was reading something on a newspaper newspaper um, online portal, then I sent a text to the editor and said, When did this appear in your newspaper? You say it will come tomorrow. <laughs> the newspaper will, will publish it tomorrow, but I'm reading it on my phone today. That is the world we are in today. Everything is real time, everything is seamlessly local. For many people, their biggest source of pride is the degree that they hold. And they say, listen, I went to the university of... And then they mentioned the university with so much pride. And I understand. We all did it. But the sad reality is that the curriculum of formal education is severely inadequate in preparing you for the reality of the job market. My dear friends, over 70% of what I use in my career was not learned in the lecture room. So if your biggest claim to fame is that you had a first class in a particular subject of an or, or, or area of learning, and that is what you've been talking about for the past how many years, you'll be amazed to find out that with your first class... You still don't know what you should know to excel in your career. The fourth disruptor and the fifth are related. One is demand, one is supply. The fourth one is a jobless economy. That means that <coughs> you are there and you you have the skills and you know you are good, but the jobs are just not there. And so the demand, there is there is under demand for services. Not because you are not good, but the the opportunity is just not available as much as it should be. So it's a demand issue. But the cousin of the demand issue is a supply issue. Which is that even for the available jobs too, there is so much competition for it that you cannot guarantee that just by applying for it, you will get it. I recall a very interesting experience when a company looking for graduates to do some commission sales work, the financial space, intended to put the advert in the newspaper the coming week. And so they were waiting to publish the advert in the newspaper the next week. And one sharp, young graduate said to them, you know what? Let's put it on WhatsApp while we wait for next week. And the moment they put it on WhatsApp, by that weekend, 4,000 eligible applicants had applied. Guess what? The advert never went into the music, there was no need. 4,000 people had applied. Now, to make it even more interesting, there are jobs that people from Pakistan will offer half the salary you are asking for for the same job here in Ghana Indians so it's not a joke, it's a real situation and I'm glad you came tonight because without that kind of thinking we walk in the world with our heads lifted up and wondering what is happening And we don't understand the shifts that are taking place. In fact, many of the most successful people in life will tell you they reinvent themselves about five times in their careers. You are doing the same thing, but you are reinventing yourself. If not, you become dull, inactive, irrelevant. Tell somebody, this is serious. I like the way you have trolling your what do they call it? Ngan. thinking deeply because the issues are heavy in the face of all this should one give up and assume that there is no hope, absolutely not to the extent that the world economic forum sat down and compiled 10 attributes that a person will need to be relevant, it means that those 10 attributes are attainable if somebody provides a solution, it means the solution is within reach. How many want to do the, those ten attributes? Let me see by hand. Let me drop them for you. I'm going to drop the ten things the World Economic Forum listed as universal, whether you are a doctor, a driver, a parliamentarian, a barber. These ten things are non negotiable. If you want to be to endure and be relevant for a long time. 10 keys to career relevance beyond the year 2020, especially in a very highly digital environment. Number one, complex problem solving. Complex problem solving. It is an established fact that many kinds of work involve complex problems that must be solved in real time and you go to work and you are dealing with one issue here and one issue there and sometimes the thing just doesn't make sense and it's very complicated but you have to solve it so if you think that your job is to do dx the dy the and use the formula. And so, for instance, I, I went to teach in the, the university briefly. It was because my passion in entrepreneurship provoked me to go and teach for free when the universities announced that they were doing entrepreneurship for all. And I did a 10 model course and I enjoyed myself teaching it. But I noticed one interesting phenomenon. The last day of the lecture, There was a huge crowd and I was asking have they combined different classes? They say, oh no, these are all your students. Where were they in the weeks before? Chilling somewhere. Why were they there that day? That was the day I was teaching about how to start the business. When I finished, I felt like making an altar call. So I asked them any questions expecting them to ask me about how to start, where to locate the business, what to do Say, to the exam, will it be multiple choice or? <laughs> All they wanted to know was, was the exam multiple choice or essay question? And that's why they came that day. In their numbers. If I could guarantee them the answer to that exam question, they wouldn't even come. One day, my boss, my pastor, Dr. Otabo, was speaking at our springboard conference. And he was speaking that day in a forum that had probably about 40% SHS students that day. And he asked them a question, and a lot of tertiary students, and he asked them a question. How many of you, if you got access to exam questions, upon, will look and they lifted up their hand. They were not... How do you say fairy? Well, you put your... The word shy is not the same. They, they they didn't feel shy at all about the fact that this was pastor Otambo speaking to them. Their teachers were sitting in their midst, and they were not bothered. They lifted up their hand publicly. We will cheat if we got a chance, friends. The reality is that people go to school and finish and get a degree, and they can't solve jack. So you throw the person into a problem and they are looking for the course outline. What did the course outline see? No, it's not about course outline. Neither is it about exam questions. It's about reality. If I had 30 staff and because of technology I want to drop 25 and retain only 5, the first thing I will look for is those who can solve complex problems. And so the first reason why if they laid off even 90% of staff, you will survive is complex problem solving. The second attribute is critical thinking. Critical thinking. What do you do when you have done all your preparation based on a certain assumption. And one day, just one development, just one policy change, changes the whole assumption on which your business was built. I don't know who I'm talking to today. Listen, it can be something as small as a road construction. Do you know that if you study human behavior... Fuel stations will tell you, if they give you the same location, will you sell the fuel on the left or on the right? You see, how does it matter? You will find out that depending on the traffic situation, in the morning, nobody wants to stop and buy fuel on the right hand side of, of the road. You want to get out of there as fast as possible. And in the evening when they want to buy, you are on the left, you are on the right. If you don't understand this one, you are wondering why you are selling fuel in the same place, on the opposite side. And somebody on the opposite side is selling ten times what you are selling. And you are praying. It's not prayer. Critical thinking. if you had a chance to work for somebody like Nelson Mandela when he was alive and you you, you sold a shirt for him and he offered to pay you a hundred dollars for the shirt will you take the hundred dollars or you will say Mr Mandela just give me an endorsement of my business an endorsement that I I, I sold for you and then keep the money. I'm a young person. I just want to make it. If you can write a little endorsement in your handwriting and sign it, you can just keep it. And I'll be very happy. It's critical thinking. That one signature can open a million dollars for you. But this is not taught in school. So how do you get the kind of thinking that it takes when you wake up every morning and put your hand on your head and ask God to give you wisdom beyond your years? Because the painful thing about life is that one wrong choice, one wrong person you marry can destroy your career. You see where I'm going with this? I didn't say one wrong job you take. Rev marrying the wrong person has been proven to be one of the things that kills your career. Oh, yes. I like the way you are nodding your head. In fact, I I interviewed a very very successful female CEO, one of the most respected in this country. And she said, anytime I hold the microphone, say, God bless my husband. Because at a time when their family was young, the husband put his career on hold and allowed her to go and do her MBA in, the, in one of the biggest MBA schools in this world for two years while he did the babysitting. You get a good one like that, you progress. And it's, it's both ways. You can get somebody to who is competing with you when you are blessed and they are worried, you are leaving them behind. The person you marry is a career issue, it's a financial issue, it's a spiritual issue. You don't just meet somebody in the afternoon this day, in the evening you say you have proposed. It's a serious thing. Rev, can I talk? Choices matter. Choices matter. So the World Economic Forum says number one, people. Who solve complex problems. And complex problem solving is not a fruit you pluck from the tree. It's a lifestyle you build. So you are in church. We have an event. We, are, we have a service. And then the generator, something happens. And we are hot. And then you say, listen, I the ushers this week. Do this this week. You are learning how to solve complex problems and it becomes a lifestyle next time you are doing it in the office and you are calm you see when pharaoh called joseph the reason why pharaoh was so convinced about joseph is that he was highly agitated before joseph came the first thing joseph said is relax relax i've dealt with this one before i'll be fine the first thing david told saul relax When you have solved complex problems and the biggest door of your life opens, you will not panic. Complex problem solving. Second one, critical thinking. All of a sudden, something changes at once. What do you do? The one you were expecting, didn't come. Somehow, what do you do? That is a distinguishing fact. Everybody say critical thinking. Put your hand on your head. Say grant me wisdom, Lord. Beyond my years. The third one is creativity. Creativity. It must be an avowed aim of yours that everything that you do, the same thing everybody does, your own will be different. We live in a society that is meant to conform. We are trained to conform. Be like everybody else. It is often the measure of our acceptance if we behave like everybody else. And we are socialized that way. But really, your differentiating point Is what will give you an advantage if you want to be in the creative area you want to be an author an architect an engineer a hairdresser whatever you want to do fashion a consultant your creativity your uniqueness the uniqueness of your concept your design your execution your management is what to give you an advantage Determined to be creative and determined to be unique. Spend a lot of time thinking about how yours will be different. Don't be ashamed of being different. Don't worry that your own is very, very different. That is what will give you the advantage. Very often, we, we do things and the very first one that we it to the market. You write a book, the very first draft, then you publish it. No. Go write about ten times. The same thing. Apply yourself. And very often, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, that is when great ideas come for for making the thing special. You design something once and you want to sell it. No, no, no. Even for fashion, the more you apply yourself to the design. How many fashion designers are here? Can somebody confirm what I'm saying? Can you confirm what I'm saying? The more you think about it, the more you look at the same design again and again, you notice something, something small. Even in preaching, I, I recall one day I, I, I prepared a sermon and I went walking up and down the Ebrie road and somewhere in between um and, and Peduasi, I was rehearsing the sermon and the point struck me that there were two blocks in the sermon and they were not connected. They were not connected. So it is first half, second half, and then half time. And it would have been fine until it was delivered. So in rehearsing it in my mind, I saw something missing, and I paused and said, "This these two can be joined this way. The bridge. Why? And and what was the issue? Why was Saul's sacrifice unacceptable? What disqualified Saul for making that sacrifice that Samuel rebuked him for? That link was missing in the sermon. And when I provided the link, the next day, Sunday morning, you are preaching the sermon, everything is going well. Then you mention that link and there's applause and you say, that's it. That moment spent thinking it through, polishing it, that small link, and you saw the reaction. See, it was worth the rehearsal creativity. Think through what you are doing. Spend time refining it. Ask yourself questions and try to make yours stand out. Number four. People management. What shall it profit a man? What shall it profit a woman? If she is technically gifted but relationally bankrupt. What shall it profit you if you are excellent technically but socially antisocial? You will realize, my friends, that for many of the things that you do, it involves connecting with people. And so, you must learn how to manage people. You must learn how to manage those above you. You require management. You must learn how to manage those below you. I'm consulting for somebody who has hit a peak in her career. and been told that if you don't deal with this issue in your life, you cannot be promoted above where you are. This is your peak. And it's not somebody victimizing the candidate. It's a scientific process that has shown you these are your five weaknesses. And after one hour of consulting with the person, I say, the report that was given to you is so accurate, it's not funny. So now you have to deconstruct and help the person unlearn certain things that the person has done for a long time and then reconstruct the problem my friends is that for many of us for one reason or another we don't connect with people we don't know how to manage people in fact we can't be bothered there are people in this church who have come to church for a whole year and not greeted anybody and they don't really mind they are happy to come to church and go the sermon was great and then they go how can you do that? You are not in your head, but do you know the person next to you? If I did a test right now and I said, give me the name of the person in front of you, the person behind you, the person on your left, and the person on your right, and I'll give you a book, many of you will fail. How many of you repent? How many of you repent? Listen, I could do a small analysis to show you why it's a career issue. Our friends in a neighboring African country I have lots of friends there. In fact, half of my fans on, on Facebook are from that country. They have a different attitude from those of us from this part of the world. For them, if they like you, they like you. And don't even pretend. In fact, they will come after you. And if you go to a function with them, they will never sit by their friends. They say, what's the point? I know him already. I know where to find him. So they enter the function. They are looking for somebody they don't know. Somebody they haven't met. By the time they finish, they've made three friends. The difference is that a typical Ghanaian will sit by your classmate and your friend and stay with them throughout, not talk to anybody. Somebody say, help me, Jesus. It's what I'm saying true. But how can you come to a great church like this filled with millionaires and billionaires in the making and not greet anybody? So, in 10 years' time, the person has prospered and is sitting on their, their throne of glory and you are now trying to say, you know what? I, I, I think we, we were in the same place together. How? It is the relationships you cultivate now that you harvest tomorrow. I was listening to one of my favorite Speakers, Nido Kubeng from America. He says, As for relations, relationships, it is not automatic, it is cultivated. So he every day, every day, takes a phone and calls four people. Strategic relationships. He has made a list of the hundred most influential people in his life. And every month, he calls each of them once. So that if he needs them one day and he goes, they've been hearing from him regularly. But they're not surprised. Relationships matter. I was telling Reverend Eric at a private event gathering some of the biggest CEOs a couple of days ago. Didn't even print an invitation card, used WhatsApp. Because you built and cultivated these relationships over a long period and you value and treasure them. You can write an application, add a card, add a reference, and they will come. For some of the relationships. So the fourth one is people management. The fifth one is coordinating with others. It's related. Coordinating means that your work must must line up with somebody else's, must also touch somebody else's and in your business, you must know about your shareholders, you must know about your clients, you must know about the government and you must know how to connect to different people at different times. The poor, the rich, the young, the old, must be able to seamlessly coordinate with them. Ashes don't say "Hey, this department that we don't like them they give us wahala so we don't talk to them every unit must coordinate with the other church workers it starts here and we learn to work together connect with each other support each other appreciate each other respect each other you will take the same attitude to the workplace So, assessors must respect physicians. Physicians must respect host and hostesses. Host and hostesses must respect housekeeping. And the list goes on. Coordinating with others. Working with people. Appreciating various stakeholders. What's number one? Complex problem solving. Number two. Critical thinking. Number three. Creativity. Number four people management. Number five, coordinating with others. Number six is very critical, emotional intelligence. It has been described as the gold dust of corporate development, emotional intelligence. That ability to know what to do when to do it. And to be able to be strong when you must be strong, but empathetic when you must be empathetic. Let me give you an example. Sometimes I think emotional intelligence is like an anointing. Yes. Because it's not just about that ability to take correction and not come and stand there there was a day when I I, I just lost my only sister and I was due to host my program on radio and I decided I will host it and I hosted a program and after the program when I signed off I broke into tears after I signed off put off the microphone when I finished the program somebody sent me a text and said ah what I heard is it true I just said yes my understanding was that when I stand up to do what I do I don't bring my problems from the house to come and lead the praise and worship when I stand to lead in church I mustn't bring the difficulties I faced this week into the pulpit emotional intelligence is carrying yourself And doing what you have to do in the way you have to do it. And why do I say it's almost like an anointing sometimes? Because the same situation, it will help you to know which one to react to with a rebuke and which one to react to just with a quiet stare. And it's more than enough. So the person is coming to work late and something just tells you who late, who late. Cool it because typically they've gone Why are you late. not you know that reporting time? But something says, just cool it. Look at the eyes, and you see a tear drop in the eyes. Say, Sandra, how are you today? And she breaks down. She just lost her father that morning because of the commitment to work. She's still coming. She may be late, but just imagine she just lost her father. Now, when you hear that one, you would rather say, you know what, let me embrace you, and you know what, just go home, you'll be fine. But imagine you go in like a bulldozer, why are you late? You find out that the person lost, there was a story about a train ride, and the woman with children were crying in the train and disturbing, and the man was like, can you let your children keep quiet so we can sleep? And the woman said, I'm sorry. Just lost their father this morning and very disconcerted. The man said, hey, let them cry. Let them shout. Let them do anything that will make them feel better. You see, but sometimes that ability to know what to do is so critical. If you don't know that and you don't have that, you can't rise in your career because you are very mechanical. You see, so where is the maths in this? Where is the English? Where is the general science? The World Economic Forum didn't mention maths. Didn't mention English. Complex problem solving. Emotional intelligence. Is somebody learning? Are you glad you came? Let's wrap this up. Number seven. Judgment and decision making. Judgment and decision making. Two days ago, I was in a very popular hospitality organization. And I asked of somebody that I knew. And they said, hmm. And I said, why? And they said, in one moment of madness, the person has destroyed his whole career. Judgment. Somebody makes a deal, an offer, something. And you know your ethics, you know your values, but it sounds very, very acceptable somehow to do it. And you go ahead and do it. You say, oh, I did it only once. That once can destroy your career. Judgment. Decision making not every open door is an opportunity it also means that the opposite is also real that you can look at a situation and make one move and that one move can open the door to millions in opportunity put your hand on your head and say discretion wisdom, understanding judgment let it be my portion In Jesus' name. When you make wise decisions and sound decisions, you rise very quickly. When you make bad decisions, the doors that should open close to you. Number eight, service orientation. Service. You love to serve people. Service. I recall when I finished my first degree and I was Head of ushers were doing church service in some place, be that was very prominent, but it was not a church building. So they can do a social function on Saturday night accompanied by significant drinking of non-Christian drinks. And you can sometimes come and meet the bottles on the floor and the contents spilled on the floor. And you have come to church on Sunday morning in your tie. Then you take off the jacket roll the tie and put in your pocket and kneel down and scrub after which you wash your hands pull out the tie put on a jacket i shall pull the smile service some of the most most engaging acts of service in church in ministry carrying drums doing crusades in places working into the night just to do some follow up somewhere don't broadcast going to wild wild places to preach in those early days guess what those things followed you into your career so when you are writing a report at 2am and you are staying up it's not strange because you've done it all your life service or meditation when something is put in your hands you handle it well when you are serving people do you serve them well When you are honoring people, you do it well. An orientation for service will open massive doors to you life. People who know how to serve other people will always go far. Give somebody a high five. Tell the person, I see a servant leader in you. Give another person a high five. Tell the person, don't get tired of doing good. the ninth one is negotiation 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 is about win-win it's about communicating with people and arriving at a consensus a solution that benefits both parties it's about not just accepting things as you see them but knowing how to position yourself to increase advantage and to change the dynamic. It's a skill. It is learnable. And every one of us, if you want to succeed in your career, you must be able to look somebody in the face and tell the person, there are seven reasons why you must do this for us for free. There are 15 reasons why you must dash our church and LED and God will bless you. You must look them in the face and make a convincing kiss. After which the person will say thank you and give you the (laughs) early. Oh yes! The same situation, somebody will not even, somebody will even apologize. But you know how to package that situation and use to create advantage. Negotiation. The final one is my favorite. It is cognitive flexibility. Why is it my favorite? Because nobody understands it. (laughs) What is cognitive flexibility? It's simply that ability to switch from one thing to another that is totally unrelated and still perform the one too well. So you are doing something. And then there's an issue that requires a totally different skill. You know, the skill it takes to manage a board meeting. Is different from the skill it takes to handle rowdy neighbors who are routing. One of them, you speak Queen's English. When you get out there and meet the rowdy guys who are trying to route in the, in the, in the neighborhood, you roll up your sleeves and then you talk to them in their language. They understand and they stop fighting. Some of us can handle one part but cannot handle the other. And it's it severely hinders your progress. Let me give you a practical example. Three weeks ago, I was supposed to be on a show with a friend, a colleague who works one of the biggest multinational companies in this country as as senior manager in charge of a particular function. And we we're supposed to be on a radio interview. Just before she left for the interview, the CEO invited her to his office for a very important discussion. You can't tell the CEO, I'm going for interviews, so I can't talk to you. No, it was an emergency. So she has a discussion with the CEO and finishes and looks at the time and the interview is in 10 minutes. Will you be able to make it? Or will you call in and say, you know what? It's not my fault. Everyone will understand. Exactly a minute to the interview, she walks in is powdering her forehead and smiling. And I say, how did you get here? She says, Okada. Within a space of a few minutes, she switches from a discussion with the CEO in the boardroom and she jumps on on an Okada. She comes to deliver the interview back on the Okada, straight back to the boardroom. That is cognitive flexibility. You know how to abase, how to abound. Oh, there's no car, so the sales people today we can't go and do the sales because there's no car. Eh, they will drop you. <laughs> May the Lord help you to understand the times. Like the men of Issachar have understanding of the times and know what to do. Let's rehearse our ten. Number one. Complex problem solving. Number two. Please, I want to hear the thing with him. number two. Critical thinking. Number three, creativity. Number four, people management. Number five, coordinating with others. Number six, emotional intelligence. Number seven, judgment and decision making. Number eight, service orientation. Number nine, negotiation. And number ten, our favorite, Okada. (laughs) Let me conclude with a scripture that you should never forget. Somebody says, you see, these things, they apply to those who work in the banks and those who work in the big, big places. Bible says in all labor, there is profit. It's only idle talk, talk that leads to poverty. I've seen rich barbers. I've seen rich consultants. I've seen rich contractors. I've seen rich actors. I've seen rich pastors. I've seen rich everything and I wasn't seen poor everything. It is not what you do. It is how well you do it. May the Lord give you understanding about what he has called you to do. May you not fail, may you not slack. Instead of going back as the years go forward, may you increase in strength. May 2020 see you prospering beyond where you are now. May your testimony be sweet. And may it be said of you, that as your days are, so is your strength. In Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert e. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary conferences, and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com, amazon.com, or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, Always remember you are blessed indeed. No more the light, has the light has come. He's